of us got a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. One of us drove 1,290 miles and I don't hours. know why you did that. <laughs> you know, I just thought you were going to tell me when you landed. Are we, are we on right now? Is this going? I mean, yeah, it, okay. it's going. I guess we're, I guess it's we're going. going. Um, uh, you're a repeat guest, so yeah, no introduction needed. Everybody knows who you are in the yeah. world. I'm pretty sure. But for the nine people that don't, this is Mr. B.J. Baldwin. That's right. Not to be confused with That's Alec right. Baldwin. No. Is he still around? Alec got fat and old. Oh, uh, yeah. He, um, he's on Saturday Night Live from time to yeah, time. Yeah, he which plays I Trump and stuff. I haven't seen everything in a long time. Um, Billy, that was my favorite of the Baldwins. Mm. Um, Billy Baldwin. Yeah, Billy was in... Uh, Vietnam. No, he was in... My Uncle Billy was in Vietnam. Oh, yes. Billy was in Vietnam. <laughs> uh, he was in Backdraft, wasn't he? Was Billy Baldwin in Backdraft? Man, I don't Can I get I a remember. confirmation on that? Was there? We I need, thought that was Google Billy. That. Or was Billy in Biodome? Uh, oh, yeah. The, small, the smaller of the Baldwins. How many fucking Baldwins are there? There's a lot. Like... I think there's Alex, like five Steven, brothers. Billy. Backdraft was Billy? It was. Yeah, Will, yeah, Billy, Billy, Billy Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, but he's known as William or Billy. Billy, Billy Baldwin. Yeah, they call him Billy's Billy. cooler. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Billy Baldwin. So what's going on? Um, well, f- number one, I'm freezing. I don't know who put this Arctic giant fan above <laughs> what uh, why is the fan on this is uh, this is cold you just, I, wanted it on. <laughs> I don't remember that i did want it on um i feel like we're in the future right now we are right you have a thousand horsepower porsche thousand twenty nine twenty nine i'm not going to shortchange you they're hard to get you got to count every single one of them that and, and that's to the <laughs> wheels uh, to the wheels, I'm I'm doing a little bit, a little bit over eight twenty. Okay, okay. And, but this is pretty still, good on pump gas. If you do, if you do, thousand twenty nine horsepower at the flywheel. I mean, that's yeah, that's the pretty thousand club. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. What is that? And you daily drive? I do. I drive it every okay. day. It's actually, it's got about seventy thousand, just shy of seventy thousand miles on it. So I have a lot of fun with it. A thousand horse, a thousand twenty nine horsepower and seventy thousand miles. That says a lot for Porsche motors. Yeah, yeah, especially with me behind the wheel. Has because, anything gone out in it? Like, uh, no, you, you've kept the transmission. Yeah, every yeah. everything has has been good, and uh, you know, I really use it very, very. I'm very, very hard on it. Um, I would imagine. You know, I'm I kind of like that too. Yeah, I uh, most of you know, time that I travel, like if I go to California from, from Vegas to California, you know, for meetings and stuff like that, I don't leave till like 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes I don't even leave till, you know, 11 or midnight just because there's no traffic. And, you know, if I really want to lean on it, then, then I can do so and, and do so safely without scooped him. up. Uh, I have, I've been to jail. Oh, for speeding? Yes. Just for speeding. Uh, speeding, um, Facious speed, contest of speed, exhibition of power, exhibition of speed, waste of natural resource, reckless driving, careless driving. Um, and that is all one ticket that you got? 
No, that's just I'm just. <laughs> Are we listening? Your whole out. Yeah, energy. yeah. Uh, uh, evasion of uh, of uh, police, um, but I was never caught those times. Kind of hard to catch me. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> I typically outdrive the, the doesn't it? Yeah, standard police officer doesn't it? Yeah, don't you get like some sort of pass because reckless driving isn't essentially reckless when it's you behind the wheel. I like know. when an inexperienced driver <sighs> that's inexperienced in a powerful vehicle that is trying to do maneuvers that they are. I mean, look at all the commercials. You see these maneuvers were performed on a closed course by a professional. Yeah. You are a professional. Yeah, so I should get a pass. I, I mean, I could argue the point of Define reckless driving because give me the base point at which a standard motor vehicle operator that just has a single license, because how many certifications do you hold just to get on certain tracks around the, the world? Um, well, I, I've got the FIA license yeah. and uh, I've got a driver's license. Okay. I had to get an FIA, FIA license to do a Dakar in the three years that I did a Dakar. Um which was uh, super, super grueling. Um, but yeah. I, I, but that, I think if you have an FIA license, you should be now, able to, now reckless driving moves, it's like, you should get pulled I, over and say, was I jumping over another vehicle? No? Okay, then yeah. me swerving, that's just, that's a normal day that's for just you the in thing, the office. Right? <laughs> I will, Technically? It's worth, it's worth, it's worth bringing up. My favorite ticket of all time out of all the ones I get. And I, I don't get tickets that often. I really, I really don't. And, you know, I probably get like two or three tickets a year, but in comparison to how much I follow the traffic laws, I haven't followed a traffic law since 1996. Never. Never. And his Porsche is bright yellow. <laughs> canary any, yellow. Any, any That's policemen right. that live in Las Vegas, canary, Look out for canary yellow Porsche. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's an older one. It's like from the late 80s. Uh. <laughs> I got pulled over in 2005 and you should have seen the look on the law enforcement officer. His jaw was dropped and he didn't like say anything for like 20 seconds. I was like waiting for him to say something. Um, he said, uh, do you think that was necessary? And I said, well, what were you in first? Paint us the picture. I was in uh, uh, my pre-runner. Um, okay. And right, uh, setting, my pre-runner track. This is, this is very different now. It's very this different. Story because really, you just, I was pulled over. I'm just picturing you in a Honda Accord <laughs> on the side of the road. Okay, now you're in the pre-runner. This is in Vegas. This is in Vegas. Okay. Uh, I was First, making a, a left uh, off of Russell onto the freeway and uh, trying to make a yellow light. Um, and there was nobody around. And I want to have some fun. so And I wanted to flex a little bit. So... I got up on the bike, got up on two wheels and drove down the on-ramp in my pre-runner in, uh, on two wheels. Like, <laughs> so you can imagine the cops, like the see, reaction. You come in on a yellow light. Yeah. Then you're up on two wheels. And just <laughs> oh, he probably thought he was going to like witness a, what were a the catastrophic accident. Um, he's, he, he's, you know, do you think that was necessary? And I was like, well, I don't think it really anything's necessary. necessary. Yeah, define necessary. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, why did you, why did you do that? And, you know, I was just, you know, I, I don't know. I was 
trying to have a little fun and flex a little bit, you know, I, was, I didn't, I didn't really see you. Otherwise I wouldn't have done that. And he's like, well, shouldn't you like, this is obviously an off-road truck. Shouldn't you like just do that stuff in the dirt? And I said, actually, I can't do it in the dirt because I don't get enough traction like I do on asphalt. <laughs> so he wrote me a pretty fantastic ticket, uh, but it was worth it because I have it framed. It says, uh, did enter uh, the on-ramp from Russell to I-15, uh, entered at a high rate of speed, causing the vehicle to uh, leave the pavement on the driver's side and both driver's side tires were up in the air for the duration or of the on-ramp. Why wouldn't you have that framed? That's, that's, right? yeah, that's, right? that's amazing. Yeah, it was the coolest <laughs> ticket I think I've ever gotten. <laughs> I mean, just me. If I was a cop and I saw this, I would pull you over to have a, like a, to right? just meet you. If I was a cop like, and I saw somebody do that, I would I'd just, like, hey. I'd pull up to the door and have like a slow clap. Hey. Ow. Um, do you do you barbecue? Because I'm having one here. Will in you a marry my days. daughter? Yeah. <laughs> you you, you want to like hang out? Do you, do you have a GI Joe collection? Like, what do you say at this point? That, I mean, come on. Yeah. Why are cops more fun? I, I traffic ask that cops. Question. Aren't, aren't I, they that are. Much. I don't understand yeah. the obsession with tra with with traffic cops. Especially I mean, I moto get, cops like on the motorcycle. I get They'll the accidents write you for and everything. things, but. There is a time and place. Like, if there was no one in the intersection and you clearly could see that, you know, do we have to pretend that that was dangerous? No, yeah, I, no, know, we don't. I, I really don't. I think, you know, we should have different uh, rules for, for different people in different vehicles because what would uh, allow you to believe that the speed limit and doing the speed limit is the safest, the safest way to travel. I mean, is it the same? If like, like here in my car, my car weighs 3,400 pounds. It's got DOT approved road race, Toyo, R888Rs. It's, Braking it's distance is built. 91 feet from 60 yeah, miles an hour, which is ridiculously short. That's not the same as a, a motorhome towing a triple axle tra trailer, yeah. you know? So, or uh, uh, like a Suzuki Sprint. Yeah. You see those a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and and never followed the speed limit. Never, never really uh, understood why. Um, and it probably sounds silly, but how does the government know what is the safest they speed don't. for we you just made in it up. that particular vehicle? We just made that up. It's right? all made. Everything's made up, though. I, mean, I think it's, I like I like being here in Texas. Speed limit's eighty. Yeah. Which you means know? you can stretch that. Yeah, which to yeah. like one sixty. Yeah, it's a hundred miles an hour under what I would prefer to travel in your state. <laughs> but but it's better than seventy five or sixty five. I did I did uh one of the one of my memorable times was I did drive for over thirty minutes at a hundred and fifty five, almost hundred sixty in the in the focus. And you had enough gas to do that? Well, it, it's a focus. <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, you got the butterflies wide open. Now, that, minutes. I would say, was dangerous because I had the topper on. The topper? Yeah, I, I had one of the, the, oh, the like one the that's luggage, on the Jeep. The, the thing, luggage Yeah, thing. the luggage thing oh, that's on yeah. the Jeep that was on top. That must have been so loud. Well, it, it was loud, but I it disaffected. Like, it completely eliminated oh, my wing. compromises so, your aerodynamics, so, yeah. So, I was like... 
going this fast and floating because I have a wing on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just, yes, I had that understeer. I'm yeah. just, oh, 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 <laughs> how long can I hold this? <laughs> it was between, um, it was between Macon, Georgia and Tallahassee. It was just on this empty highway trying to get back to 10. Wow. And I was just half like, hours, a long time. I could see the, the GPS that was like, this is Great, let's try this. And no, no this other is, cars or no, not yeah. in my lane. Is it? Is like, a, I had a few late at night or no? It was like a Sunday way. at like four o'clock. Wow, yeah, holidays like yeah. specifically any given like on the holiday when people are spending times with their family at like you know like Thanksgiving at like between two to five. Uh, on the highway or Christmas morning, those are the best times to really stretch your car out on the highway because yeah. nobody's on yeah, the road at there. That Super time, Bowl you know? Sunday's a good one. Yeah, like, exactly. It, right when the game's on. Yeah. Not in the morning, everybody's going to the store. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, that just to, to clarify that when I was doing that speed, that was in 1987. So statute limitations have already happened <laughs> for any policemen in Georgia. Ford, yeah, Focus. Ford Focus RS. You had the concept the car topper. 15 years yeah. in the future. Yeah, I had Apple CarPlay rolling. It was great. <laughs> we, had, we was listening to Carry On My Wayward Son on repeat. Um, wow. You have a lot of fun in that thing, huh? Well, it's very short bursts of fun. Yeah. Because it's like fun for about... 45 seconds and then it breaks. Oh, it does. Yeah. I've never, I have never driven more than, than four days in that car. And then you successfully until it, until it sits. Yeah. So I bought it in 2017 and, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've never driven it more than four consecutive days. Wow. Since 2017. That's the problem with the race cars. Without me breaking something on it. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping. I'm sending it to Adam Brunson of Tune Plus in Minneapolis, Oh, Minnesota. he'll do a good job. Um, he's the man. Like, yeah. he, he is the dude for any Ford, you know, he, he's the guy that, that wrote all the best tunes for these cars. You know, he builds those motors. He, he was the one that designed and built the turbo kit, upgrade kit for it. Yeah, especially like somebody that's, you know, subject matter expert in one platform. They've seen so many of them explode and break down and have all these other problems that they've dealt with all those problems and they've addressed them. So somebody that's made all those mistakes in the past, they're really I'm good at building good platform. Like, and then have him, I mean, I've put him on speaker and just held the phone up to the, to the car while it's running. And he's like, Oh, you did this. Hang on. Like, um, <laughs> and he, he sends you a file to download he, into the well, car. He yeah. saved me and Steve Arpin on one lap of America a couple of years ago. We actually did a detour to roll into his driveway on a Sunday and he retuned the car right there to get it back running. Great. Wow. And yeah, he's great. Customer service at its finest, you know? Usually you need a chassis dyno to diagnose and tune stuff like that. That's pretty, pretty knowledgeable guy. If you could just do that in his driveway. Are you running 91? I told you to put 93 in there. You're like, you could smell that? Yeah. It's a big difference. (laughs) It's surprising. Like only a couple octane is a big difference when you're trying to stretch them out and make make the most power out of them. Have you done anything else in your pre-runner that got you in uh, some hot water with the hot fuzz? Yeah. Um... In Baja, there was a semi that was struggling um, quite a bit. It was only able to go up this grade at like 60, 65 miles an hour. So, and I was in a hurry 
to get back to camp and, and go have dinner, a long day of pre-running in Baja. Um, so I came up behind him and helped push him up the hill. So got I him, like got him going and, uh, and then drove around and once I had an opportunity to pass and sure enough, next town, a bunch of, uh, Mexican, uh, highway patrol and law enforcement were waiting for me and detained me and took me to jail. And you're like, dude, I was helping. Yeah. I was like, come on, man. Um, I get it. <laughs> it's really hard to try and understand Maybe, why you know, they were so mad. I, it, what year was this? This was uh, 2012. This uh, makes sense, Dave. It's right after Fast and Furious came out. They thought maybe you were trying to get into the back of the truck to steal all the stairs. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It's funny because like I went to jail and they're like, you pay your fine. You know, I says, how much much is it? And this looking at me, like sizing me up, looking at my clothes, looking at the pre-runner outside, you know, peeking through. And he's like, "Uh, $1,900. And I was like, Take me to jail. I don't. I don't have that. Yeah, I can't pull that out of the ATM. Yeah, There's like, limits. You should know that. And he's and he's like two hundred dollars. I was like, that sounds a little bit more. Man, like, that's guy, <laughs> I want to buy not, everything I from know, this right? guy. Like, just <laughs> he wasn't house. very good at negotiating. How much five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> no. Question, are there traffic laws in Cuba? In Cuba, uh, yes, there are. Um, I managed to to get around a lot of them, which was super nice. That was the the hardest way to to really, you know, disobey traffic laws in Havana and get away with it. Oh, yeah. Havana was so much fun. That was... Unfortunately, that was like the most difficult recoil that I ever filmed because usually you you have everything set up and planned out like four to six months in advance, you know, permission from local authorities, from the city, you get your permits, you know, all that stuff. And we did all that. It was really difficult to to do that in Cuba, you know, being, you know, a communist country. But uh, still, every time we went to go film at a location, not every time, but we had plans to film on certain days, certain stunts, certain events. And a lot of the time there would be a, a police officer on the, you know, the ramp of the jump for me, you know, for example, for me jumping over the river on the beach. And he'd be like, you know, you can't do this. This is, this is not your country. You can't do this. Even though we had all, you know, everything figured out, we didn't uh, compensate law enforcement, they're just trying to squeeze a couple bucks out of us. You know, they wanted, you know, five, six, seven hundred bucks. Um, so we would move around to uh, different locations. It's funny, like law enforcement in, in Cuba, every single one of them had like a 380 automatic pistol that they, it looks like they got at the bottom of the ocean. It was like all rusted. <laughs> it didn't even work. <laughs> Wooden grips were all wilted, you know, and cracked. Um, they but were yeah, trying to fun. shake you down, huh? Every they step shake, of the way. Yeah, they were trying to shake us down. I'll tell you what, Cuba, the food in Cuba, 
was some of the worst tasting food that I've that ever the had. Second thing I was going to ask you: the like, worst was it tasting awesome? food. It was bad. How does food taste bad? Oh my god! I don't even know terrible. that. That's not in my vocabulary. It was terrible. The only thing I get down is like pizza. You know, because it's really hard Cuban to fuck that pizza? up. What does that taste it, like? It, it tastes like um, they have McDonald's there. Like you go to you go to the grocery store, you get microwavable pizza. Yeah. You take it home and microwave it, cook it, and then put it back in the refrigerator. You do that for three or four days, and then. On the fifth day, you cook it, and that's what it tastes like. Oh, God. But compared to the other foods, you know, that they had there, it was way better. Um, that's got to suck. Everywhere you go, huh? Oh, everywhere you go. Not even a corn dog stand or nothing? No, I wish there was like a McDonald's. McDonald's would have been like— They don't have McDonald's, huh? It would have been like Wagyu steak, Whoa. you know, compared to— It would have been awesome. Other than Cuban sandwiches, I'm not really familiar with Cuban food. No, real Cuban food is not that good. Um, but— Another thing I don't understand, Cuban women, I didn't know they make them that hot. They look like the girls on, you know, Instagram that are like fitness models. Like the, late like, 1990s girls going wild. Oh my God. They were TV beautiful. Commercials. Oh they were God. beautiful. Cuban girls were beautiful. I got uncomfortable in, uh, where, where we were on an island uh, that's also Puerto Rico. It's in the United States. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I did not know that there was like a grotesque female to male ratio there. I was unaware. No one told me. So like we had landed. So it was we more were, girls we and guys? Eight, like 18 to one. Wow. So it was, it was very weird because we had landed. We drop our bags at this house on the beach in San Juan. And we, we go for a walk on the beach and it takes you a minute to realize it's nothing but women. It's all women. Yeah. All. Like, so imagine, imagine like your normal Miami or, or, or Cocoa Beach or like down in Daytona, you know, your beachgoers are the same, same groups. You know, you've got these 10, 12, 15 people all hanging out, music, uh -huh. someone's volleyball, got the speaker, stuff, yeah. they, they got the drinks and everything. Like it was just like that, except there were no dudes. Wow. They that were sounds all wearing like paradise. They were all wearing thongs. How many of them are vegetarians? I don't know. I do. I, I mean, I never, that I never have to be close. a thing, you know, like, uh, there, there would have to be a Or maybe all the number. guys were at work. I don't know. Maybe that was I the case. No one's ever given me a straight answer about what was going on in Puerto Rico. But you would think if there's so many women, there had to be so many women that are in relationships with other women, not by or choice because waiting. of availability. They or, all yeah. go to the beach because they know that the visitors come to the beach. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Kind of a come, was, come rescue me type vibe. Yeah. You did. Who knows? That sounds pretty fun. Tori and I will have to go there and check that place you out. You do. Like, I, I definitely recommend Puerto Rico as a place for anybody to go visit because you have beautiful beaches and it's, you have the feel of like a, an island or a Central American, South American country, but it's, it's also like, you can kind of get best of both worlds. It's like, hey, there's an actual Home Depot and Target here. Yeah. But or you could go to another section of town, which is all locally owned, and, and it kind of feels tropical. Yeah. yeah, it's food and everything like that. The foods Plus, are, everybody good. speaks our language. We they use our currency, so it's like if you want a good like getaway, mm -hmm. but not because people that don't really travel, you don't understand how fucking bananas it can get sometimes. Yeah, like because. You don't speak the language. You don't have the money. Yeah. And you, you know, you're, you're either getting taken advantage of or you're just fucking lost. 
And it's just like, oh man. And then yeah. like, you don't have plugs for anything. Like it's wild. Yeah. Cuba was uh, kind of difficult to get around like that without like a translator or something like that. One, one thing that was, is worth bringing up, mentioning about Cuba that was really, really interesting is the cars. The cars were really special. I've heard something about this. Yeah. So because of the Cuban uh, missile crisis and there's an embargo and, you know, um, so they couldn't get anything after 1961, which by the way, Rico was the first American film to come out of Cuba since 1961. We just barely beat uh, Fast and Furious, which was, which was super cool. But the cars there, like, for example, you have like a 55 Chevy convertible, like call it cherry red, candy apple red, uh, 55 Chevy convertible here that somebody that's into cars will build or go to Barrett Jackson and, and, you know, uh, uh, capitalize on an auction. That car here, 55 Chevy Bel Air convertible, uh, candy apple red, $20,000 paint job. It's probably got, you know, a $45,000 LS7 with a supercharger on it and turbo 400 transmission and, all the suspensions, like awesome, you know, really well handling stuff and the interior is immaculate. And that car might cost, you know, 110, you know, $150,000. Let's just say that $150,000 car here. That car in Cuba is the same price, but it's because of everything that's happened there. It's got a Russian, uh, three-cylinder or five-cylinder diesel engine with a Russian transmission, all Russian powertrain, no shocks. One of the coil over, one of the coil springs is broke. All the tires are so bald, you can see the air inside of them with, with steel belts so you're showing. Saying this still is $110,000. Oh, oh, yeah. And but you're getting something that is just... Oh, rah, they're rah, complete... Rah, rah, they rah, smoke rah. like, you know, diesel, you know, performance trucks with, you know, no DPF on them, no emissions on them. <laughs> and the, in, the inside is remarkable because... Instead of like all cherry inside with white, you know, vinyl or white leather. And, you know, they have like chain steering wheels. <laughs> they have this shifter that's like this tall with the honey globe, like dragonfly frozen in it. And they're shifting like this. It's got like welded chain links. And the door panels are like old moldy wood. And, you know, it smells like... It's, the, the car's got two and a half million miles on it. The inside of it smells like 1,500 people had prison sex in it. I mean, it stinks to <laughs> high hell. There's fucking hair all over the thing. So, yeah, that same car uh, in Cuba is uh, same price, but very, very different because nobody can get access to any parts or anything there. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to so see. All we, the cabs are those if cars. I, if I took... The focus to Cuba, that would sell pretty well. Yeah, for sure. If you can get it there, if you can get it there, you can get it there. Yeah. The uh, tough part for me getting the race truck there is uh, they wouldn't let me bring fuel. They offered to uh, provide, because they were really excited to have us there, they were offered to provide uh, Fidel Castro's uh, race fuel. It says, oh, it worked fine. It's uh, 105 octane race fuel. I don't think that they understand that we have different definitions of race fuel. My race truck runs off 118 octane leaded fuel that's $23 a gallon. It's not an LS7. No, no, not in Cuba. (laughs) It's not like a, you know, uh, 
souped up LS7 or LS3, uh, you know, runs $75,000 race engine with 13.5-1 compression that revs to 8,000 RPM. So it requires really good fuel. Otherwise, it just won't start at all. 118 octane. Where do you even get that? Um, FNL racing fuels or VP racing fuels specifically for race cars, um, and, and race trucks. Um, but yeah, if I put, if I put like 105 octane in my race truck, it would behave the same as if you put, if you filled up your focus with Jack Daniels, <laughs> you know, do the same <laughs> thing, <laughs> big fireballs out of the back, wouldn't run for more than three or four seconds. <laughs> but you survived Cuba somehow, mm-hmm. even though the food... Crisis. Barely. Ooh. Barely because they were getting really mad at us, even though we got permits for everything. Why? Uh, You'd think they would want this. Yeah, 75,000 our motors are not that quiet. And, you know, uh, everybody loved having us there, but law enforcement was getting agitated because, you know, we didn't didn't pay any of them. We weren't supposed to. We didn't expect to. We were all out of budget, so we were going to pay. We couldn't pay, afford to pay any of them off. Um... And the locals there in Cuba were awesome. They didn't look at like you you bring a race car anywhere in America or anywhere in Mexico or anywhere, you know, where yeah, they don't have. Mexico too. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a few times. Uh, you bring a race car anywhere and people are like, oh my God, that is a race car. Look, come look at this race car. Let's go check out this race car. You bring that to Cuba, they look at it like it's a fucking spaceship. Like it's not of this world. Like some alien brought it they really the way that they look at it is really insane because they're like oh my god like they don't want to touch it they're kind of afraid of it and they're like man this kind of looks like a truck the vibe from people that see that thing there is crazier than anything and the cops that I've didn't get expi- excited though like oh no come on seeing you jump like they're all not they like, care about is cool. money all they care about is money you know the government and uh and law enforcement over there is uh it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy for sure. But yeah, you know, doing uh, one of the stunts I couldn't really do right. I only got a, f- a few tries at, uh, I was trying to make it like the longest, you know, it probably still is the longest neighborhood jump on a city street, you know, ever. It was 192 feet. You got in, a Guinness World Record in, for that? In, I, got, you, I got a couple of them. I got a couple of them. Man, I don't have one. I need one. Matt, Matt, get me one. Come on. But people like running in the middle of the street, because I can't see like yeah. over the crest in this neighborhood and they're calling me on the radio and I'm 20 feet in the air and I'm like, oh, there's people where I'm supposed to land. So we, we ended up having to only, we only got like three tries at this thing that I was, is an a jump on the pavement in a neighborhood, like a huge tabletop. And I was going to really, really go far, but I didn't get to practice it enough to really, you know, send it super big off that because we couldn't contain the people. The people were just running just in and out of everywhere. Thousand, couple thousand people in, in an you know, old neighborhood. And uh, they just wanted to see what the hell that thing was. They never heard anything like it, you know. That is wild. Now, yeah. now you've been studying a lot. I have. Studying a lot of ballistics. I have. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you studying ballistics? (laughs) Well, um, man, about 10 10 months ago, um, I was having a hamburger 
Um, actually, I just finished having a hamburger. And, and uh, at In-N-Out, mm-hmm. uh, most people have heard the story, but, uh, you know, well, not most people, but most people have not heard this no, story. a lot of people have asked us to have you on here to uh, talk to about ta- this. To talk about the gunfight. You, know, you, know, you know what they do? <laughs> they ask, like, the day after. The day after. Oh, my God, you need to get BJ Baldwin on here and tell us what happened. Like, <laughs> Motherfucker, I'm friends with a guy and I'm gonna bother him right now. Like, I think I waited like two weeks before I sent you that message. Like, hey, dude, hope things are all good. Miss you. Yeah. Like, because I know, like, you wake up the next morning and 700 people, like, oh my God. Yeah. Man? Well, I didn't wake up the next morning. Of, I never went to sleep because yeah. obviously, you know, it happened at 1.51 a.m. And it's not like you just go home and like, well, it was a wild night and then go back to life. <laughs> and now you're part of an, uh, a homicide investigation. So, <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, that's never fun. Um, but I don't have any extra holes I, I wasn't born with. Um, yeah. So that's good. But yeah, looking good. in that, uh, in that particular situation, um, you know, I've done a lot of uh, defensive tactics training for, 15 years. Um, Train with all the, all our friends, all the best. Yeah. All, all the best. I do a lot of competitive shooting, not like sanctioned, like competitive shooting, like, like my girlfriend Tori does. She's a multi-time world champion. Um, but like, uh, you know, I take a lot of a uh, vehicle tactics class and civilian uh, uh, lethal force defense class. And I've got challenge coins for, you know, balance of speed and accuracy drills and all that stuff. So I, I shoot a lot. I practice a lot. I train a lot and I'm really good with a handgun. Um, so, yeah, a couple guys uh, ran up on Tori and I, and one of them had a gun out, and he didn't look like he wanted to talk about much. That was it. You guys were just sitting on the tailgate, right? Uh, no, we. Were, uh, she was sitting in the car, like, like if my car is like parked like this, mm-hmm. she had the door open, and then her legs were uh, outside the door. She was kind of on her phone. Uh, uh, I was smoking a cigarette like right here, and. Um, all the lights were out in the parking lot, except for where the structure was, which was where I parked. And last car just left uh, the parking lot from, from, cause that's back in the height of the pandemic. Nobody's allowed inside the restaurant. Everybody's yeah. ordering food through the drive-thru and eating in their car. And, and that's what we did. And we, we've been cooped up in the house just like everybody else. We just didn't feel like going home right after we got done eating. Um, and I had like a, a bunch of work to do that night. I ended up not getting, a, a chance to get any food. So that's why I went there and I was like, damn, it's midnight. What is open? Um, still hungry and tourists let's go to in and out. It's still open. So I went and yeah, two guys just ran up on us and uh, one of them had a gun um, pointed at Tori and uh, she was trying to gain uh, my attention, you know, so to show me this. I'm, I might've saw it sooner. I might not have. She, you know, she was, uh, you know, whispering really hard, like, BJ, BJ, you know, brought this to my attention. And what was really weird is I didn't get scared. I didn't get anxiety. And there's no fear or anything. I just saw a problem that needed a bunch of holes in it really fucking quick. Mm, yeah. And so uh, I processed in about a second, like eight minutes of data of everything that I've learned in the last 15 years, everything everybody said to me about, you know, defensive tactics, lethal force, all this stuff, which was really, really crazy because I didn't have any adrenaline. There's no reason that I would have that, all that stuff just flow into my head instantaneously and have access to that information. Um, and then, you know, that was like one full, maybe one and a half steps 
of me like, is this real? Is it, okay, it is real. Okay, environmental assets. Okay, we got minimal cover a yard and a half away and, you know, draw and put a bunch of holes in this guy until he stops shooting or so that he doesn't start shooting um, and, uh, and then go home. And hopefully you don't have to engage his friend either because more than likely he had a gun too, but he ended up turning into Usain Bolt. I never seen anybody run that fast in my life. I don't think he, obviously they didn't show up to get in a gunfight. You know, they showed up to, do, quick to do stupid grab. shit. I, I don't even know if they want anything. They didn't ask for anything. Um, I think it was just like, they just wanted to smash somebody. Um, because the guy, had a, he had a lot of stuff. In his People are like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody just run up and want to kill you guys? Well, you know, to those people, I, I, my question to them is, have you ever taken, have you ever gotten drunk, smoked a bunch of weed, taken Xanax, taken fentanyl, taken cocaine at the same time and been depressed before you even started? You know, and then that, now we're measuring your decisions. Now we're measuring your decision making <laughs> capability. So yeah, he was really, really fucked up on drugs and, and and depressed about some challenges that he had in his life. Um, and you know, I I get it. You know, I sympathize. I I've been there before, and I held no grudges. And I get that. You know, he felt like he had to do what he was intending on doing. But uh, you know, uh, Tori's a pretty nice girl. I didn't want to see her get her head blown off. So started putting holes in. Yeah. And it, the investigation was quick. You said six days? Very quick. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's not a lot to figure out. There's brass everywhere. Half of it's from his gun. Half of it's from my gun. Um, I thought I'd be able to solve the problem a lot quicker, but I did have, uh, and I'm kind of reserving the, the information is really the fail, the ballistic failures that I was having uh, in nine, the nine millimeter projectiles that I was using but they didn't work uh, how I thought, how as effectively as I thought they may have worked because it took a lot of gunfire to get him to stop shooting it at both of us. But uh, I got it done. Typically, when you shoot somebody in the face, they change your mind. Yeah. Ooh. But you, and then, and then, like, it was like six days and it's dropped. Yeah, I, I had an interview with the homicide unit of Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department uh, about six hours later. So I didn't know what this was about. I want to go make sure, you know, uh, my family was safe. And, you know, my dad was safe. He lives right next door to me. So I fortified my house. Uh, I had some people there that were armed um, until I could get this figured out. Went to my dad's house. He's, you know, he's got guns, but he doesn't really know how to use them as well as I do. So, or as well as the people at my house do. Um, my, my son's mother knows how to use guns very well. Uh, her husband knows very well. My, uh, daughter's mother, she knows how to use guns very well. So I wasn't worried to worry about any of them. Um, but my, you know, I want to make sure my dad was all right. And, uh, I called him. I said, Hey, um, I don't want you to panic or anything like that. I know it's late. I know you don't go to bed till later, but I need you to stay up a little bit longer because I need to, I need to talk to you. Something some kind of weird happened. Uh, I didn't want him to like panic or anything. So yeah. I went home, restacked my magazine, grabbed my rifle. Tori grabbed her rifle, put him in the, in the car and drove down, down the road to his house. And, you know, saw him. I was like, everybody's fine. None of us are bleeding. But uh, a couple guys tried to murder Tori and I in the parking lot of In-N-Out. And one of them died of COVID-19. 
That's when everybody I'm was sure, like dying sure of COVID nineteen. Yeah, whether they were in a sure car wreck or the death certificate, if we told it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, we called the uh, we called police. Um, called my lawyer, and uh, we just said, you know, we're hundred percent cooperating with the investigation, and um, whatever you guys need to know, however I can help, would love to find out more about. Why this happened? If you can share that information, that'd be great. Of course, they don't share any information. You got to have like your own investigation once they leave because they don't share any information. Um, and uh, it was really cut and dry. You know, some guy started shooting us, so we shot him. Yeah, but yeah, man, I, I've got another friend that was a military buddy of mine that owned uh, some gold shops and mm-hmm. had two guys come in and try and rob him, and he shot and killed one of them, but. It was like they drug out the investigation on him yeah. for, for months, which like tore his hair out. It's like, terrible. Like it's like, terrible. Like, like them getting it done in six days for you. Like imagine sitting and waiting. Yeah, I was really surprised it was as quick as ten it was. months, eleven months. Like before really anyone decides to show up and go, oh yeah, you're cleared. I, I have you know, I have a bunch of buddies, uh, you know, at Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. A lot of them I've because you know. I focus exclusively on what I call the short game. I don't mess with bolt action rifles. I know how to run like a fighting rifle, like a, you know, an AR-15 or an AK-47, pretty good. Um, but I primarily focus on their platform, you know, like a, a Glock platform and being extremely accurate and extremely fast from concealment uh, with that platform. So I've trained, you know, a, you know, a bunch of cops on um, presentation, balance, speed, and accuracy inside of 15 yards and tried to, you know, help my friends out with uh, just trying to help them be safer. So if they're ever in a situation where somebody draws down on them, they can solve the problem if somebody decides that they want to get in a gunfight with a law enforcement officer. Because, you know, a lot of them could use more skills. A lot of them, a lot of them can so I try and I try and help when I can, you know, if, if there's a law enforcement officer that's in my environment, whether I'm in a range or anything like that, and I can help them and, and uh, give them, you know, a few secrets of how to put holes in stuff a little bit quicker than, than I'll do so. So, you know, that, that might help because, you know, a lot of those guys know me and it was very, very clear that I was in no way, shape or form did anything wrong. And there's nothing that I could have done to avoid this because of the yeah. speed that it happened. And they saw it, they got to see the video, which I haven't seen yet. But they won't uh, even show you. Not until the investigation is concluded. Oh, there's, yeah, that's right. There's the the brother that was with him. Um, his name's Kevin. He's actually, you know, he, I got a great deal of respect for him because when he was detained, you know, he said, Look, I'll cooperate. You know, I didn't know any of this was gonna happen. And uh, my brother was uh, totally in the wrong. It was totally a self-defense thing because, you know, he started shooting at him. So that was really cool. Uh, really, really have a lot of, res- as strange as it is, I really have a lot of respect for his brother, even though they were up to no good. I mean, I shot this guy in the face from 25 yards and knocked the teeth out the back of his head with bullets. His brother was there during that. So he had to see that. The poor guy, regardless of what his intentions were, you know, he had to see his brother get smoked. And two days later, he's detained and he's got my back, which was crazy. I mean, I thought, 
I thought that was under the circumstances. That definitely that sped it up. Cool. Yeah. Because if he spun a different story. Like, yeah, exactly. Then it's... Then it's <laughs> well, police told me that uh, first one on the scene wasn't even law enforcement. It was the guy's uh, girlfriend. And, uh, you know, I hate that she had to see him like that because I'm sure that was not fun for her. Um, so that's... That really sucks for her. I'm really sorry that she had to see that. But I don't know what she was doing... Um, but she, she grabbed his gun and put it in her car. I don't know if during a, like an adrenaline and, and shock, she was like, well, I don't want him to get in trouble. So let me take his gun and put it in my car. I, I don't know what, what she was thinking, but, uh, you know, she was able to do that and smart enough to pick up all his brass casings. If, if she was uh, oh, going yeah. to do that, then it would have been a different story. They'd been like, why did you shoot this guy? Yeah. You know? uh, this don't make sense. <laughs> I would be yeah, like, it, test it also skin. Show- got gunpowder all over it. It also shows though, like you guys were just eating. It's yeah, we just finished. So it's like, this can pop off when you don't even, you're not even in the, the, the remotely no. the right mindset. I was in a really good neighborhood, like a really good part of town too. It's not like there's high crime rate there or anything. So now, you know, yeah. since doing the deep dive, do you think you're better prepared now? Oh God, yeah. There's nothing that will uh, sharpen your defensive skill set, like being silhouetted in in, uh, in bullets from a guy that didn't even have the common decency to fire at you with proper defensive ammunition. I'm sure he fired at with me regular ball ammo, which is pretty disrespectful. <laughs> I think you can respect it though because that meant it missed. <laughs> yes, yeah, it did. Was it not? First thing I thought of, I was like, that's a 1911. Damn, that's a nice 1911. And then it was like eight minutes. Three of the eight minutes was like, damn, I missed my Springfield TRP. I used to love shooting that stuff. First round target was 1.6. <laughs> oh, and this now guy's running 6, at you with a gun. Yeah. Like, oh, man, well, my Springfield. Happened, <laughs> like his, his foot was like going like that slow when I was breaking down this whole process. You know, like I said, it's like eight minutes of information in one stride. And then it was like, well, I don't want to let him get any closer to her. So time to get in a fucking gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and like you said, you, you're better prepared now. Um, oh God. Yeah. Uh, balance, speed, and accuracy is up versus how proficient, how skilled I usually am. Um, and uh, my knowledge as it relates to terminal ballistics is uh, much, much higher. I have my magazine stacked uh, according to my specific skill set based off of surveillance video that I've studied and how people that are non-combatives react and how long it takes for them to get out of the backstop. Um, so I've, bra- I've broken like a bunch of stuff down and studied it, studied different projectiles, nine millimeter projectiles. The stuff I was using was you know, only 270 foot pounds of kinetic energy transfer, um, had X amount of penetration, very slow moving around. And then now the stuff that's coming out of my gun is going 1600 feet per second. It makes more kinetic energy than 40, 45 and most 10 millimeter auto. Collecting that air. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really hot rod, nine millimeter stuff. And I carry a 35 when I used to carry either a 17 or a 19. And I do that to increase velocity, which translates into a more advantageous wound channel. So to say, hopefully I never have to use it again, but 
If I do, um, I'll be a lot more dangerous than I was. Yeah. And I, hopefully people don't want that target, which generally I don't yeah. think they do. Nobody goes out no. and goes, man, I want the boss level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see if I get killed today by a guy that's an obsessive, <laughs> you know, competitive concealed carry shooter. Yeah, it's almost like a jujitsu thing. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going after the black belt. Yeah. I'm going to take the belt. I'm going to take the belt from... Exactly. Let me see if I can knock out John Jones. So what's my the race type. season look like this year? Uh, it's uh, pretty excited. Um, I'm doing a full best in the desert race season. I love best in the desert. Doesn't um, best in the desert also do like a military side-by-side uh, they do. I think they have a military class for for side by side razors and, and stuff like that. So uh, they're a great organization. Uh, and you know, a few of their racetracks have uh, a lot of very very high speed, um, high consequence corners, and that's the stuff that I, I'd have to say I have my strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, I'm definitely one of the more successful. Uh, racers out there. And I've been, I've been very, very uh, fortunate to have the opportunities that I've been given. I'm the only person in history to win two Baja 1000s back to back and do the entire, uh, drive the entire distance. Um, but uh, the high speed stuff where if you make a mistake in a corner, you're going off of a hundred foot cliff or you're going into a rock wall or into a tree. That's the kind of stuff I really, really like because I'm, I'm really good at controlling uh, the vehicle, measuring my brake distance, braking distance accordingly, rotating, lengthening my straightaways, corner speed, throwing rocks and breaking windshields is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to, to seeing you out there and, uh, you know, you coming out and visiting a little bit more yeah. this year. We need to do some shooting and things yes, like that. Definitely. Uh, well, I'm really you. excited. I got a lot of freedom now. Yeah. You know, thanks <laughs> thanks to this partnership, I'm yeah. really excited. There's a about lot it. of freedom going around. A lot. <laughs> a lot more. I don't have to worry about getting phone calls anymore. Like, uh, you have been shooting too much and posting too much about it. Uh, you know, if you could like not no, do that. No, no. I, I heard through so, the grapevine, your new people that you're working with aren't going to worry about that. They're not going to worry about no. that anymore. No. And I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities that they, that they provided for me. And, uh, you know, They'll always be a family. I have a very close relationship with a, a bunch of them. Um, but uh, it's nice to be part of a team rich with very, very patriotic people, many of which um, volunteered to sign up uh, to shoot terrorists in the face so that they don't show up on American soil and Absolutely. try and do that to us. So it's an honor, really is an honor and a privilege to uh, begin this journey with you guys. Well, we we welcome it. We are super excited and cannot wait for this because yeah. we're going to do some cool things. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this is BJ Baldwin. You can find him on Instagram, BJ Baldwin, Facebook, YouTube, all of it. The, look up the Recoil series. That That is some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's um, fun. And uh, make sure you hit freerangeamerican.us. See you guys later.